All right, good morning, everybody. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel 38 and 39, that's where we'll be this morning. Ezekiel 38 and 39. Can we go over some slides here for what's going on this week or coming up in this month anyway? I think the, the next thing is the harvest party, if I'm correct. No? Yes. There it is. Harvest party, 3 to 9 uh, on the 31st. I believe that's a Tuesday um, or Monday. I can't remember which it is. Anyway, join us for that. There's a sign-up sheet out there. There's lots of blank spaces. We need help. And it's a simple job. You just got to stand by the bounce house and make sure there's no giant kids in there throwing little kids out the door or something. So it's a simple job. You stand there for a couple hours, and then you can go on and have fun with everybody else. So we need some sign-ups if we can for that. Remember, there's a cake competition uh, for the kids for our cake walk. So uh, make a cake, and we've got prizes for that for those who make the best cake. Um, and uh, so that's coming up here, October 31st. Uh, Potluck, November 5th. After second service, why does that, what else is going on? Oh, it's the 4th. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. November 5th is the potluck coming up, so that's pulled pork. Bring something that kind of goes with that, and I won't even give you a suggestion this time. I won't be here that day, by the way. Someone else will be teaching that morning. Shoebox collection, November 13th through the 20th. Uh, Drop-offs are at those times. We put this up here. You can bring your boxes back anytime. You can see them out there in the display and get them packed and, and uh, you know, bring them in anytime. That's when we collect from all the other churches. So, And if you want to wait till then, too, that's fine. Um, but anyway, that's when we do that. We have a second potluck in November because that's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and we kind of have a finger food kind of night here on a Wednesday night, and all the kids are in here, um, and we just you know, set up the tables and just kind of have our own little Thanksgiving before the big Thanksgiving. And we do finger foods because we know everybody's kind of cooking big time the next day. And if you're like, oh my goodness, I got to cook two days in a row now, don't bring anything. Just show up and mooch off of everybody else. It'll be fine. (laughs) There'll be plenty, you know, or get a frozen box of those mozzarella cheese sticks and throw them in the oven or something. That's just fine. We don't want to make it hard on you. Oh, that's it. Okay. How about the class? Do we have a slide for the, for the, the, uh, citizenship class biblical citizenship class or do we not have one okay sign up for that that starts november 4th that's what i was thinking when i was looking at november 5th november 4th we're doing our bible uh citizenship biblical citizenship class that's when it begins to eight week eight weeks of saturday so it's a commitment um but that sign up sheet's out there i think we've got we've got to have over 40 people oh thank you rod right behind you in that pocket is a piece of paper can you hand that to me I need that look. Thank you. Teen night. It's not on Sunday, okay? It's not today. Um, It's tomorrow night, right? Tomorrow night. Um, And we're going to the college campus. Uh, You know where the art center is. If you don't, we can let you know. Rod, would you raise your hand if you don't know? But all the teens that go to teen night, they're going to meet in the parking lot to the west of the uh, art Center. It's between the Christian Campus House and the Art Center. Kind of tailgate, have some pizza, and then go in to see Frank Turek. Um, if God, then why, if God, why evil? Um, he's speaking up there. Uh, the uh, campus ministries are bringing him on, on campus, and uh, we're, we're invited and, and are going to join him for that. So that's what the teen night will look like for October here. So it's tomorrow night. Um, you meet there at 6, did I see? Yes, yeah, 6 o'clock. Um, and I'll put this back out there so you guys can all read this on the table here in case it's not out there. 
Um, and uh, teens ages between 13 and 18. And then we also need you to sign up for pizza so we know how many people. And if whole, if whole families are going, that's great. That's fine. We need to know if the whole family is going to eat pizza so we get enough for everybody. Okay, so that's, that's going on tomorrow night. That'll be a great time. And if you can make it to that, uh, he, he's, I just love listening. I, have his, I subscribe to his YouTube channel and we watch those a lot and um, thoroughly enjoy him. Does a wonderful job. Um, so I think that's it. Is that everything? Okay, there it is. Biblical citizenship class, November 4th. You can sign up. Um, eight weeks. Workbooks are $20. We're trying to get more free ones. They gave us 20 free ones, but we're way beyond 20 people registered. Um, so we're, we're trying to make them free, but for now they're not. So you got to pay 20 bucks. Um, and that might motivate you to come to all eight weeks too, by the way. That's uh, there. So anyway, that's a, there's, a, there's a whole table set up for that. All right, let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity as JC prayed and everybody prayed um, to spend time in it this morning to we don't have to be worried or anxious about anything, although very interesting what's going on in the Middle East. And we got our ears perked up, and we're always watching for you. Uh, we're always looking for your return and when you're going to when you're kind of come. And so um, when we see these things like these things anyway happen, we, we look a little closer, maybe a little more intently to see. And so this morning we pray that you'd lead and guide us through 38 and 39. Help us to see these prophecies for what they are. Um, we don't want to add to them, and we don't want to take away from them, but we do want to try to understand the times. You challenged the people uh, when you came the first time that they should have known the hour and uh, the time. Now, we don't know the day or anything like that, but we're supposed to at least discern the, the spiritual temperature of the world. We're supposed to at least know, like we know weather, um, and how when it's going to rain and when it's not. We're supposed to know uh, at least the signs of your coming. And so, Lord, help us to see these things for what they are in Jesus' name. Amen. That's very important. You know, um, as Christians, maybe you don't, but you should be fully comfortable in your salvation. You should be resting in it. And also resting in the fact that it's all going to go according to God's plan. And we say that a lot to each other to reassure each other. God's got this, you know. It's all in God's hands. And sometimes we say that emphatically to, so we can hear it ourselves, so we can calm down, you know. Uh, really, God's got this, you know, it's okay. And, and we do that, and we should. Paul even says that to the Thessalonians. I want you to comfort one another with these words. It's not to, not to bring our anxiety level up or to get us in a, in a fervor. It's meant to calm us down and say, wow, you know, wow, he told us this was going to happen. In fact, that was one of the things Jesus did about his, his crucifixion. He says, I'm telling you these things ahead of time so that when they do happen, you'll have joy. And not the kind of joy that the world gives, but the joy that I can give you, you know. You can have peace in your heart knowing that I knew this was all going to go down. You know, I don't want you to scatter, you know, in the dark and be afraid. I want you to say, wow, it's exactly what he said was going to take place. And, and we're even, even more emboldened and, and encouraged by these things. And so that's what prophecy is for. It's meant for that. Um, as we go through 38 and 39, as we've moved from last week when the nation of Israel, we tried to explain the best I could, the nation of Israel coming back into the land, 1948, May 14th. Uh, May 15th, the big war that took place after Truman acknowledged the state of Israel, and then those su the subsequent defeat of their enemies, Israel's enemies, and, and they have the land. We now kind of fast forward as now they're back in the land, flooding in from all parts of the world. It's amazing. Um, it, it touches everything, and I'll give you an example of it. Some pop culture, okay? Everybody's kind of following, or you hate, one of the two, but you're aware of, Taylor Swift and Kelsey. 
right? If you're any kind of fan or non-fan, you're either tired of hearing it or you think it's the greatest thing you've ever seen and it's so fun to watch football now, whatever. Her lead bodyguard, who is Israeli, flew back and left her side and says, I can't be doing what I'm doing here and seeing my countrymen fighting. I need to go back and left. Obviously, she's still protected, (laughs) but has left and has gone back to fight kind of thing. It touches every aspect of, of, of pop culture, of our world, even, even Maryville, Missouri, you know. Um, and so these things are important for us to pay attention to. We don't have to be obsessed. We don't have to be worried. But we do want to be wide awake, eyes wide open, and understand, you know, what these things are and why they mean so much to us. So they're back in the land. The nation of Israel has flooded back um, into there, and they're, and they're still coming back in droves and, uh, and, and um, settling the land and so on. So we fast forward to 38, uh, where God has fulfilled 36 and 37. We've seen that prophecy come to pass either right before we were born or, or after, but in our lifetimes, sort of, we've seen this prophecy come to, to pass. And so 38 and 39 are the next thing on the clock, basically, as far as Ezekiel's concerned. And that's a war that's going to involve, and I wouldn't call it World War III. It may look like it, but a couple countries are left out. So it isn't, in, not everybody's involved, okay? And we'll, and we'll read that here. Um, but it'll be bad enough. It'll be one of the worst wars the world's ever seen. So as far as magnitude and uh, catastrophe-wise, it'll be that big. So big that we're going to read about a, a grave site, a mass grave there that's so unbelievable that's it's never been heard of um, as they try to bury all the people from the Gog and Magog war here that we're about to read. What that is, is, okay, so here's our land now, um, Israel. The, the light tan are what most say are occupied. Now, they are, and the West Bank is somewhat settled. In fact, they put people there, Israelis there, and that's a lot of the argument and the debate, because this is more than what the UN actually said they could have. But it's the result of Arab wars against Israel. They take those lands. So those three dots, the Golan Heights, the West Bank, and the Gaza Strip, which is where all of our problems are, at least today, um, were conquered during the Six-Day War, 1973, June 19, not 73, uh, June, um, what was it, 67? 67, okay, because there was another one in 1973 that we don't hear much about that actually, um, when they were being invaded again, there was a plea from Israel uh, to our country, and Nixon, of all people, sent over 22,000 tons of munitions and, and support, and that's how they won, but we won't talk about that one. It's the 67 war that came in as they came in and tried to flood. You'll read different news articles. One will say that uh, Israel did the preemptive strike. It actually started the Six-Day War, um, and that started June 5th, uh, 1967, ended on the 10th or the 11th. Um, And they did. They did strike Egypt while Egypt's air force was on the ground and absolutely wiped them out almost entirely, completely cleared it out. Here's why they did the preemptive strike. They closed off, Egypt did, access to the shipping lanes and said, you can't bring any more supplies in. An embargo was beginning to form. And they said, if you do that, that's an act of war because there's lots of different ways to start a war. It doesn't always have to be a bullet. And so they did, they blocked it off and they said, "Mm, we need that. 
we're going to die. That's another way of, it's a, it's a siege, basically. You're going to siege, you're going to starve us, you're going you're to do it. No. So that's what happened. So the war started with the embargo or with the closing off of the strait. Um, and then Egypt or Israel wiped them out. And then all these guys came in from Gaza, from the West Bank, and from the Golan Heights, Syria, Jordan, all these folks came in, um, and Israel pushed them back in 1967 and then held the ground, um, which is why they call it... T- you can say they're uh, encroaching, or you can say they're just defending. You know, um, it's whatever. Uh, then don't then don't come at us. You know, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> you, you don't you don't want the consequences. Don't come at us, and and that's the idea. Um, so that's why now I don't consider those tan shades uh, not Israel, but that's that's my opinion because of our other map that we saw last week. And if you weren't here, I put it in the comments of last week's uh, message. There you go. Thank you, Aaron. That was fast. That's the land promised. <laughs> so keep in mind. That's I, I always keep this map in mind. That's the land promised. Israel never conquered nearly enough um, when God had given them the land, but that was the promised land right there. And so what they have right now, minor. It's minor compared to what they should have. Um, Anyway, thank you, Aaron. Let's get into 38. Verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. I'm not going to stop that soon every single time, but I do want to stop here. In Genesis chapter 10, it's a chapter that you probably should underline or at least circle or at least write in your notes. That's a great chapter to remember, like Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm, or any of, some of those big chapters. Genesis 10 is the table of nations. It lets us know how Noah and his boys spread out over the world, and it gives us an understanding of, of where they went. It's called the table of nations, or it's nicknamed that anyway. It's Genesis 10. We won't go into great detail there, but that's where we get the understanding of who these people are. Geographically, Gog and Magog went north, you know, and, 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 and Shem, Ham, and Japheth all spread out. But we know which direction they went, so we know the ancient peoples, that's where they came from. Okay, so we can kind of understand that. If they went north and the people of the north, okay, that's Gog and Magog, because that's one of his sons. That's one of Japheth's sons, and so on. So you can look at that and compare if you want to. I don't think we have time this morning to do that, but that's a that's where I get my next information that I want to give you about who these nations are, because we don't have a nation called Gog, uh, Magog. So who's he talking about? Well, we believe it's Russia. Um, that's the north. Um, the prince of Rosh. Meshach, um, very similar to Moscow. Tubal, Tubalisk, uh, one of the cities in Russia. Very similar names, and we believe those are all derivations of of those ancient of these ancient names that we're reading here so that's where we get these could we be wrong absolutely please understand this we're doing the best we can to disseminate prophecy that was going to you know it was written 2000 years before it was going to take place so we're doing the best we can here um one of the maps can you show the one with the arrows you know it's the last one of part eight that's one of them there's another one there's, there's varying views. Keep, there's another one. I think this is the best one, personally. Gives us an idea. And I, can we leave this one up? And that'll help you as we read through here. Kind of understand when we talk about Gomer, Gog, Magog, Togomar, Persia, Kush, and Put, you get the idea of where they're all coming from and why it would be considered somewhat of a world war. 
Okay, World War III. Boy, they're all in it, you know, kind of thing. Um, so let's leave that one up as we go through these names, okay? He says something interesting here. To the Prince of Rosh, okay? Now, at the time he wrote this, there really was a Prince of Rosh. Um, I don't know if he's talking about spiritual territory or not. And I'll explain what I mean. In the scriptures, we have certain scriptures that lead us to believe that there are uh, spirits over certain territories. And I, I, please, we're not writing a book, nor do I think we should focus on it or do any kind of in-depth study on it. I'm just saying the scriptures indicate there's some idea that um, there's a spiritual heavenly battle that goes on beyond our ability to see physically and some of these groups are, you know, angels, fallen angels are in charge of these spaces. And I'm only going to give you the scripture so you can see what I see. But we, beyond scripture, we have no more understanding of it. Okay, so that's why I want to give you the text. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, and once you, in which you once walked to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And I've always said, and I think it's just another way of saying what we just read, Satan moves whomever he can move. In other words, if I'm open to it, available for it as an unbeliever or someone who's dabbled in the occult, you know, um, I can be moved by, by him, by that spirit, by Satan. I can be moved to do things. Some of the things I see happening today, all make the hair on the back of my neck stand up and put up red flags every time I read it. I'm like, that's just weird. That doesn't jive. That isn't normal. That isn't normal people not getting along. You know, that's not normal war. That's not, these aren't normal things. I think 2020 was just the most bizarre year I've ever lived. It was the strangest temperature, spiritual temperature in the world. And here's why I think that. There were too many people, and people are dumb. I mean, we just aren't that good at being sneaky to be so conspiratorial that we could keep everything under wraps and be so coordinated. We're just not, we're too selfish. We're too self-willed, you know, unless there's this underlying spiritual component to it where he's moving on the hearts of many different groups that hate God and are open to being moved by the, by the Holy Spirit or by the unholy spirit. Um, that's why they can raise up them. Why don't you start something over here? And I think you should start. And they're all like, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, they're moved by Satan. According to this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, that includes anybody, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, children of wrath, just as others. One of the songs we sang tonight was very, or this morning, was very important to me. As he talked about, he brought me out of the grave. It was my tomb. My, my, before I got saved, I got saved when I was 19. So it wasn't a, a long time, but boy, I did a lot of damage in 19 years. I was moved, un, unbeknownst to myself, but I was moved by Satan to do horrible things under his influence, you know? I wasn't sitting on a, you know, I don't know what you do. I don't, I don't know anything about the occult necessarily, but I sure was fleshy and didn't care who I hurt. It was not a coordinated thing where I got together with all the other guys in my high school and let's all do this evil thing. We were just being moved by the, whole, the unholy spirit, you know, uh, by Satan. Any way we could be moved and we did a lot of damage. He did a lot of damage through me. 
until, and that's what this Ephesians, Paul is writing to the Ephesians, until I was saved and I was no longer moved by him anymore. And now I live for him. And I see things his way. And now our coordinated attack against the princes of darkness are by our Holy Spirit. Now, now we're being moved by the Spirit, just like we were by Satan. Now we're being moved by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Second scriptures, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul reminds them, don't ever forget it's a spiritual war that you're fighting. What we're seeing in Israel right now is a spiritual war. It is, against, it is two groups of people that obviously aren't getting along, and that's a religious war in and of itself. I wouldn't say that Israel is necessarily spiritual. But there is a battle going on for that land that God has his eye on, okay? Um, and so we're seeing this happen. Don't ever forget, it's not about Hamas. It's about who's stirring Mahas spiritually. It's not about Israel. It's about who's stirring Israel spiritually. And same for ourselves or Russia or anybody, which is the point, and I'm setting us up for 38. God's going to put a hook in the jaw of these countries, spiritually speaking, and cause them, they're going to want to come down and wipe out Israel. And they're going to do this. They're all going to be hooked. Anybody that can be moved will be moved and point towards Israel because God's going to make himself strong on Israel's behalf. It doesn't matter how much armament you have, how coordinated you are, what your security is, what your uh, technology is. I'm going to step in with some old school fire and brimstone and wipe out all those drones you thought were awesome, you know, kind of thing. And we're about to read that. Uh, Third scripture, John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Even there, he says, Satan's the ruler of this world currently until he comes again. John 14, 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Oh, that doesn't have anything to do with it. John 16, 11, sorry. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged... Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, then he said to me, this is a, a, an interesting exchange, which gives us an idea of the territorial spirits. Um, and it's just minor. These are minor verses, you know, nothing to get hung up on. Um, if you don't agree, you don't have to. It makes no difference. Um, things are just going to unfold the way they do. Daniel prayed for the interpretation of a dream. And it, it took Gabriel some time to get there to give him the answer to that dream, you know. Um, and so here we have the exchange of Gabriel saying, sorry, I'm late, basically, okay. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, Gabriel says this, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. God sent me that day. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, Archangel Michael, One of the chief princes came to help me, for he had been left alone there uh, with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. So sorry it took me so long. Sorry, it took me three weeks. I had to wait for Michael to get there and take this guy out so I can get freed up to come. So that's how crazy this battle is that's going on in the spiritual world all the time. It's constantly raging. Um, to the point where this, whoever this spirit was, was able to hold back Gabriel from getting to Daniel. 
until reinforcements came in Michael. It's just interesting, you know, stuff. I don't want to make a whole deal out of it. That's their problem, not ours. But um, there it is, a glimpse into it. And see there, he calls Michael the prince. And so that's where we get our connection now back to 38, um, that we're talking about a prince of Rosh, you know, um, this prince of Rosh. So he speaks to the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, prophesies against him. And here's what he says. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against you. O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, I will turn you around put hooks into your jaws and lead you out with all your armies, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its troops, the, the house of Togomar from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you, begins to describe this situation right here. I'm going to pull you in for this. There's a reason for it. Now, what is this war? This is the war of 38. That's all we call it. It is not the same war of Armageddon in Revelation. It's different players and a different outcome. Um, So this is different than that war. Um, And you can read that on your own if you want to. We don't have time to go back and forth between those two. But at the end of the Armageddon war, Jesus shows up, wipes them out with the brightness of his coming. And that is not how this war ends. This is different. Um, This war that we're reading about today sets us up or sets Israel up um, for the uh, great tribulation, the seven-year period where the Antichrist rises and begins to do his thing. Um, So this is what that war sets sets up, okay? That's what's happening here. Um, Now, as far as the rapture goes, lots of different views, and I don't want to argue about it. We believe in a pre-tribulation rapture at Calvary, and you don't have to. It's not a salvation issue. Don't be hung up on that. Um, and we joke around because I'm a smart mouth. You know, you don't have to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture to go in a pre-tribulation rapture. So I'll see you up there and you'll be wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we believe that's the, that's the biblical view. It's not something that came out later on in life. It's a biblical view because that's the only, that's the only way the tribulation takes or the, uh, the, uh, the rapture takes place where we're looking for Jesus and we're not looking for the Antichrist. All the other views, all the other theories are us looking for the Antichrist to come. And that's going to tell us when the rapture comes, whereas a pre-tribulation rapture causes us to look for Christ and not for the Antichrist. So I'm always leery. When, whenever there's a theory that wants me looking for Satan or wants me looking for the Antichrist, Jesus says I'm supposed to be looking up for him, watching for him. And so that's why we believe what we believe. But you don't have to. The point is, the rapture can take place, in my opinion, and according to the prophetic time clock, anywhere in here. We're in between 37 and 38 right now. Or we're witnessing the beginning of 38 right now over in Israel. I don't know. And I'm not, we've been this close before. This, like I said, 67, 73, this has happened. 1948, you know, this has happened before. And we backed off and the time has continued on. And it could again. I'm not making a claim. Jesus is coming tomorrow. You better be ready. Although Jesus may be coming tomorrow and you better be ready. I'm just saying may. Um, It can happen at any point. It can happen right before this war goes ballistic. You know, it can happen in it, during it. It can happen after it. But somewhere between 39 and 40, when we get there, we're gone. In my opinion, I don't think we're going through the great tribulation period. And that's when it starts in chapter 40 of Ezekiel. So we're right here. Okay. Regardless, this is where we are. Um, The United States isn't in prophecy. 
that's what struggle. That's a struggle for me. I'd like to know what's going to happen to my country that I love dearly that God gave us. You know, we don't know. We don't know how we become so irrelevant during this war in 38 that we're not, we don't even appear. Um, we may appear, and I'll read to you where they think we might be, the young lions that's talked about here, but that's a guess. We really don't know if we're the young lions or not. Either way, if we are the young lions, and that is indicating that's who we are, we don't do anything. We send a resolution saying, we sure wish you guys weren't fighting, and we stay out of it. It's sad, but that's, that's, that's the best we get if we're in prophecy. Now, either we're neutralized, and we don't have the strength that we used to, we're not a superpower anymore, that can happen. We can see it taking place, I think, right before our eyes. We're being diminished. Um, we're, we're nowhere near where we were. We're still pretty good. Don't get me wrong. Um, probably still the best, but you can see how quickly things could change. Or we just don't care anymore. The heart isn't there anymore. You know? and, and, and boy, I hope they work it out over there kind of thing. Not great, but um, that's it. Okay, so we're not there. Here we go with this war. These folks come down. Verse 7, prepare yourselves and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days, you will be visited. In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountain of Israel, or mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with, with you. Huge, huge land, land war. Not like we would think. It seems like we're moving with more air, technology, drones, um, pilotless, um, soldierless tanks, those kind of things. And it's just going to be this big video game that takes place on, you know, in the desert someplace. Well, there's a lot of people, you know. Um, they're not on horses necessarily. You know, that's where we, what he's trying to get at here is you've got all your armament. You're coming with the best of the best. Horses are terrifying. Chariots are terrifying. Uh, bows and arrows, terrifying. I mean, those are the technology of the day. Um, and here they come, you know, everybody with everything. Um, Thus says the Lord God, verse 10, on that day, it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against the, a land of unwalled villages I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, and against a people gathered from the nations, who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell in the midst of, of uh, Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish and their young lions, will say to you, that's it. That's all this alliance group does. Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your armies to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, and to take plunder? And that's it. That's the best those folks do. It never says that they join the fight or that they uh, join Israel. Israel will stand alone against this. And that's important. As much as it frustrates me as a United States citizen who believes that we should support Israel, um, we don't in the end, for some reason, or this is the strength of our support. Well, I wish you guys weren't doing that, which is horrible. 
But for God to do what he needs to do for the nations of Israel's heart to be turned back towards him, this is important. They need to know that it's them and God. They need to know that their only hope is in the Lord. There isn't an ally that they can rely on, that they can hold on to. I can, I can see God's plan. I understand what he's trying to do here. He explains it. I need them to look for me. And when they see my son, and when they understand that he's for them, and that he was never to be rejected, and he should be accepted, they're going to look for me. I'm going to do something so amazing in this war that the whole world, he says, is going to know that I am God. Just like what he did with Egypt, basically. Egypt wasn't just about the Israelis or the Hebrews coming out, Jacob's family coming out of Egypt. It was for the whole world to know that there's only one true and living God. So he's going to do that here. And so we get a lukewarm, tepid response from uh, Sheba, Dedan, Tar- uh, Tarshish, and the, young, and the young lions, whoever they are. Um, we're a pretty young country. That's the only reason we say maybe that's us. Rosh, we believe, is Russia. Meshach, Moscow. Tubal, Tubalisk. Iran would be Persia. Uh, in Iraq, in that area. Kush is Ethiopia. Put is Libya. And those are what we see in the table of nations, if you, if you ever wanted to look there and, and look that up. So I want to get through my notes and make sure I gave that to you. Now, verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on the day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them uh, riding on horses, a great company, and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me. Please know that. I'm doing this so that the nations may know me. I want them to know who I am. When I am hallowed in you, O God, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, you are he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them. Here I come. Here's God stepping in now. The nations are moving in. The war has begun. Israel isn't going to do well. I want you to watch what happens. Well, whether we're here or not, I have to be careful because I kind of lean towards the fact that I think this might be it. So when I say things like that, it's because that's how I personally believe. I'm like really watching as I see our carrier groups move in, which is good, which goes against what I just said. Hey, maybe we are part of it in some way, you know, or maybe we get annihilated with nuclear. I don't know. Um, But as I see these things happening and I'm watching, I'm like, ooh. And I like it when the Iron Dome functions. And I like the new laser thing they have, you know. Gee whiz, you know. We kind of all knew they had that. Uh, but boy, they're using it now, and you're able to see this laser pinpoint and knock rockets out of the sky. That's, that's pretty amazing. But eventually, that's going to fail, and they're not going to do well so that God has to come in and, and do battle for them. And that's where we see here, verse 18. It will come to pass at that same time when God comes against the land of Israel, that the Lord God, that my fury will show, my, show in my face. For in my jealousy... And in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Now, when we struggle, or you struggle, or anybody struggles to support Israel because you're not sure they're so moral after all, God knows they're not. Even here he says, I know you're not. You're still not a people that worships me, that loves me. 
what I'm about to do is to get you to turn back to me. He's, he's speaking to a, 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 an exile, a spiritually exiled people. They're not worshiping me now. I know they're not moral. I know they don't worship me like I told them to. I'm doing this so that they will do it. And so that's important to understand. I don't know if I can support Israel. You can. God does. Even in their state. His, his whole hope is to let the whole world know that he's alive and well and, and, and very much in charge and in control, but also for the nation of Israel to turn their eyes to him. So keep that in mind as, we, as you'll hear pro, you know, people coming against these kind of thoughts. Well, Israel's no better than Hamas and all. Well, they are because God says they are, and that's important. Um, he wants Hamas saved too. He wants all those folks saved, but he, how he does it is, is his. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, and steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, so civil war worldwide. I mean, gee whiz, you know, there it is. Every man's sword will be against his brother and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, set myself apart And I will be known in the eyes of many nations that they shall know that I am the Lord. Um, I had a good question from last week's online that says, I'm just concerned for the church, sweet lady. I'm concerned for the church that they're not prepared for a great tribulation period in case you are wrong. Well, I'm here to tell you, you need to be prepared to go through very hard times because we may be here for what I just read. It isn't the great tribulation period, but this is something that is going to be so catastrophic that it can shake a lot of faith in a lot of people. Earthquake worldwide, big things taking place, countries absolutely left to, you know, nothing kind of thing. And it could be one of the reasons we don't really do as well as we think we're going to do. Flooding rains and hailstone, civil war amongst ourselves to the point where we can't even go over there. We're too busy taking Los Angeles or trying to get New York back, or dealing with, you know, Texas again. You know, they've, they've isolated themselves. They built a wall over against, you know, Oklahoma, or whatever it is. And I smile. It isn't going to be fun, and I don't mean to take it lightly, but I, after, after the weirdness of our country in 2020, And I saw, I couldn't believe how someone could flip a switch and change and divide so quickly, how easily it took place within months that we were all at Hy-Vee wondering who's going to get the last toilet paper roll. What a bizarre, do you even remember those times? It's like, no, that didn't happen. It did. It did. We still got spots on the ground where we were supposed to stay six feet. I find myself at Casey's still standing back by the donuts because I'm not sure I'm supposed to go close yet or not, even though it's totally okay. The plexiglass dawn. We all know better now, but I'm still back there going, I don't want to encroach on her space. I've been conditioned successfully, even though I'm not on board with that at all. You know, But there I stand back as far. I don't want to bother you over there. I don't want to breathe on you kind of thing. 
how quickly that took place, you know, and how easy it is for God or, you know, whoever to just neutralize, you know. I don't know. We don't have time. We can't go fight Israel. Hey, we hope you do okay. You guys shouldn't be doing that. We got our own problems over here, you know, kind of thing. I keep my eye out for that stuff. I pay attention to those things. And uh, what a weird time that was. And as weird as that was and how suddenly that came, this doesn't seem so far-fetched to me now. It would have. It would have. I would be like, there's no way. We're too strong. That's got to be at least 100 years away because we're too strong. We're too supportive of Israel. I don't see how that could take place. We're just not. We're not nearly where we were 30, 40 years ago with Israel as far as support goes. Anyway, um, I can see it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and we always think, well, that's pretty bizarre, that fire and brimstone thing. We read the stories all the time, but we never think of it happening today. You know, it could. 39. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and I will turn you around and lead you on, bring you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Um, Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to the birds of the prey, of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field. We'll read about this feast here later on in this chapter. I'm going to bring all these wild animals to eat your flesh after I've destroyed you. For I have spoken, says the Lord God, and I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. And they shall know that I'm the Lord. So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel and will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Surely it is coming, and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. It doesn't get any stronger than that. You know why he says that at the end? Because most of us reading that are like, wow, that'd be pretty crazy if all this took place. And he says, hey, it's going to happen. It's absolutely going to happen. I don't know how strongly I can tell you people, he says, this is going to take place. You act like it might. I'm telling you it will. And that's why he says that at the end. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set seven years of fuel from the leftover residue from this war. They get fuel, seven years worth. They can power their nation for seven years. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set on fire the, and, the burning, and burning the weapons, both the shields, the bucklers, the bows, the arrows, the javelins, the spears, and they will make fires with them for seven years. They will not take wood from the field nor cut down any from the forest because they will make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillaged them, says the Lord God. You came down? Now, I've seen, I, rem- I remember how surprised I was after the Iraq war, the, the, the second one, I, I guess, um, in, a, in 92, 91, right around there, um, what was left behind and how much material was just, there's just tanks everywhere. I mean, there's just destroyed burning vehicles, tanks, tents, everything was just laying out there. I didn't, you know, you had no idea the, the size of the war. And that was just between a couple countries, you know, well, there's a lot, but we just certainly didn't send all of our stuff. We didn't descend on them like locusts, you know, at all. But you can see this here. 
as soon as this war is over, this, this judgment of God coming down and, and handling it, they go out and take this and for seven years. Now, they've got to deal with all the bodies now. And that's what this next section is, which has some interesting tidbits, okay? I'm going to speculate. I'm warning you ahead of time. And that means it's my guess. And, you know, J.D. Dirks of Maryville, Missouri must know, right? I'm just saying it's my guess. It will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel. The valley of those who pass by the east of the sea, and it will obstruct travelers. So this is a, a, a traveling lane, an area, a land lane that's going to be obstructed. There's going to be such, the cemetery is going to be so big to handle all these people. This mass grave is so large, it's going to, it's going to impede travel. Because there, will, there they will bury Gog and all his multitude, for they will call it the Valley of Haman Gog, or many Gogs, <laughs> the Goggins, uh, for seven months. The house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. It's going to take seven months for them to get everybody in there, but they're going to wait seven months before they start, which is intriguing to me. Okay. Why do they have to wait seven months before they start marking graves and then have a special crew come in to, to bury them? Okay. Um, for seven months, those of the house of Israel will bury them in order to cleanse the land. Indeed, all the peoples of the land will be burying and they will, they will gain renown for it on this, on that day. I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search. The search party will pass through the land, and when anyone sees a man's bone, he shall set up a marker by it till the barriers have come up uh, have buried it in the, in the valley of Haman Gog. The name of the city will also be uh, Hamana. Uh, thus they shall cleanse the land. So they've got this search party that says, we can't bury it, we can't touch it, but we can mark it. And the, the crew can come by. What's wrong with these bones? You know, so speculation. So non-biblical, okay, just me. Is it nuclear? Is it radioactive? Do they have to wait seven months for it to calm down? Is it biological warfare? Is it chemical warfare? Something had to take place in this battle, or is it just flat out brimstone? You know, <laughs> I don't know. But something to the point where the folks that find the bones can't bury the bones. They've got to mark it, and the next crew that's equipped for it can come in and take care of it and actually dispose of it properly to cleanse the land. I don't know. Okay, speculation over. Back to the scriptures. And as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird, and here's that feast, and to every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come, gather together from all sides to my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you, a great sacrificial meal on the mountains of Israel. You may eat the flesh and drink the blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams and lambs, of goats and bulls, all of them, fatlings of Bashan. You shall eat full, uh, fat till you are full and drink the blood till you are drunk at my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you. You shall be filled at my table with horse and, or horses and riders, with mighty men and with all the men of war, says the Lord God. Very similar to Revelation 19, but it's not the same war. I will set my glory among the nations. All the nations shall see my judgments or judgment which I have executed in my hand, which I have laid on them. 
So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. The Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore, I hid my face from them. I gave them into the hand of their enemies, and they all fell by the sword according to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions. I have dealt with them and hidden my face from them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob. So he's kind of going over it again. And have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name after they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me. When they dwelt safely in their own land and no one made, made them afraid. When I was their God, I was strong on their behalf. They didn't worship me. I sent them into exile. Now I've brought them back. When I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. And I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. That's where we close this morning. Went a little bit long. I will post uh, some of my cross-references in the comments of this Facebook post of this, uh, of this here so that you guys can look some of the things up that we didn't quite get to. Mainly just supportive scriptures of Israel and why we support them, but I'll put those there. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for, you tell us these things not to be worried or concerned or dig a hole underground, but to be ready, um, to be prayed up, to be strong, bright lights for you, God that we would be salt and light to this world, that we would represent you well, not be entangled with the cares of this life so much so that we forget to witness, that we forget to share your love, that we forget people need to get saved, that we need to tell people about you and your gospel, your good news for us, that we'd be busy about your business, never knowing when it is you're going to return or when it is this is going to take place. We have no idea. We do know this, though. It's imminent. We're running along the edge of eternity right now. We're not running towards it anymore. I think we're running along the edge, God. And I pray that you help us to be ready to have that same spirit of boldness, confidence, joy, assured of our salvation, and a clear understanding and comprehension of our mission, God, that we wouldn't be distracted or worried or bogged down in fear, but knowing that you're victorious and that this is all a part of your plan and that we play a part. That's exciting to us, God. But we, I, pray, I pray that you bless these folks here. I pray that the folks watching online or who are in, the, in this room, that it won't just be a, a Sunday teaching that we remember, but that we'd be moved to action um, for the rest of our lives. We'd never go back to um, lethargy, to be asleep and, and, and distant, but awake and alive and watching, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a great week.